Welcome to the Peter Gabbard Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is April 30th, 2020, which means I am on day 138 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, entertainment, and all things except politics. Well, folks, it looks like the Cincinnati Bengals have decided to let go of their famed quarterback, Andy Dalton, the red-headed stepchild of the organization, after they drafted Joe Burrows, I believe it was, in the recent NFL draft to obviously replace the 32-year-old who spent nine seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals, getting them to the playoffs five times, actually, where they lost in the wild card round every single time. Now, I got to admit, I did not see this coming, and I'm pretty sure Andy Dalton did not either, but the guy's 32 years old. So he still has a chance to play somewhere, not maybe as a starter, but perhaps as a backup to a youngster, in case that guy gets injured, he'll step in and pull a Joe Flacco and play the rest of his career for a team whose starting quarterback is a rookie who sucks and gets hurt. Now, I must also admit that as far as quarterbacks go, it seems like a red-headed, pale white guy always fits the bill. I'm just, I'm just saying, if you are a freckled-faced, red-headed ginger, and you're above average in height, you're not going to be a linebacker or a wide receiver. You won't play in the NBA. You're not going to be a baseball star, but you very well could be an NFL quarterback. Now, possibly Andy Dalton could land in various different teams, But I will admit it looks like a smart decision by the Cincinnati Bengals to get rid of the old-timer and move on. As he never got him past the first round of the playoffs, and they always seemed like they had a good enough team to make it to the second, if not third round. Now, we all hope that the NFL season will play out as expected, but no one can be certain of this. Although the NFL this season starts a little bit later and perhaps the pandemic will be over before that even is a thought, it looks as though the MLB season will guarantee, well already is guaranteed to have a different look to its schedule. And the NBA season, we don't even know what's happening with that. It's still in limbo. They very well could just X the whole thing and call it a day with... I guess the Lakers taking the title as they had the best record in the league. That would suck. But either way, for the Cincinnati Bengals ex-quarterback Andy Dalton, it looks as though he is going to have some extra time on his hands because he has no team to play for right now. Does anyone remember Telvin Smith? The one-time pro bowler for the Jacksonville Jaguars, well, he is in some hot water to say the least, as he has now been charged with rape. That is correct. An underage girl who he pursued while he was age 29, and she was 
well below the age of 18, let's just say that, came clean to admit that he convinced her to have sex with her, with him, and then paid her a hundred bucks to keep quiet, then picked her up in his Cadillac Escalade for a second time and had sex with her in his vehicle, which they used to pull DNA to prove his guilt after she told family members about the incidents and they called the police. Now, you may recall that Telvin Smith was telling everybody about how he needed to take time away from the NFL and get his world in order when he retired in 2019 abruptly at the age of 29 years old. Well, getting your world in order, apparently in his mind, means raping young women. What a sick and twisted piece of garbage he is. You are going away for a long time, sir. Although he did post bail, which means there's a chance he'll skip bail and find his way to Mexico to avoid being locked down for a 10 plus year sentence for raping a young woman. Now, the, the woman did say she accepted the hundred bucks from him to buy emergency contraception so that she would not get pregnant, which obviously meant he didn't use a condom either. What a messed up and freak of an individual. Now, this guy's bail, for some reason, was the strange amount of $50,003. I don't know where the $3 came from, but maybe he should have bought $3 worth of condoms and used that instead of nothing when he had sex with this underage girl. Not to mention, if this girl consented to it, then I'm afraid... That's kind of on both of you. I will say it's never acceptable for a man, especially who's almost 30, to pursue an underage girl in any sexual manner that is despicable. But if the woman did, or the girl, I should say in this case, the little girl, did accept his offer for sex, then I am putting the blame on both people very little on the girl, but very much on the man. But I have to put the blame on both. Because it's not like he put a gun to her head or a knife to her throat. If he did that, I'm certain he would already be getting butt-raped in prison. Either way, this guy's going away for a while. He's a disturbing and despicable individual. And another reason why NFL players are looked at as thugs... And just not great influences on the youth of today. What is wrong with you guys? What amount of steroids are you taking that turns you into a vicious freak of an individual like Ray Rice who punches women or Michael Vick who runs dog killing, you know, underground dog fights and this guy who rapes young women I mean, the list goes on and on. What is wrong with you NFL players? Why can't they all just be like Tom Brady? Now, celebrities, they often have their own security. And they pay these guys tons of money around the clock. 
to keep them safe, especially the ones that live in a not-so-great city. One of those people, I should say, is Eminem, who calls Detroit home to this day, knowing that it is a pile of complete shit. A living, breathing shithole of a place that I will absolutely never go to, and he has still decided to remain there after all these years, as rich as he is. Now, I gotta say, what happened to him last night was his security team and the guards that guard area of his property in a gated community in Detroit fell asleep while a guy broke into the back door, well, through a window of Eminem's house, supposedly to rob him, but then they found out later, only wanted a face-to-face with Eminem himself before he got arrested, which he did get. Because the intruder was confronted by none other than Slim Shady, who woke up to his alarm going off when the dude busted Eminem's window and came crawling in, saw Eminem, was satisfied enough, apparently, and then got detained by his awoken security team, who finally got up off their lazy asses while Eminem pondered why he pays them so well, and they detained the dude who is just a scruffy-looking 26-year-old white guy who, once again, was not in there to rob Eminem. He apparently just wanted to see the guy, which he did, and now he's in jail with his bail set at 50 grand for home invasion. Yes. Now, I gotta say, to me, it's not worth just seeing Eminem. I mean... Open a magazine, get online, you know, check your phone, anything. There's pictures of Eminem all over that joint. Maybe you just wanted a story to tell while you went to jail. Maybe the guy is a bum, he has nowhere to go, he has no food, nothing, and he needed to go to jail to survive. He's like, hey, you know, I just need to commit a quick crime. What can I do to go to jail? And what would be a cool story to tell the fellow inmates when I get in there, he's like, well, I heard Eminem lives around the way. Maybe I should break into his pad, come face to face with him. And then I'll be able to say I was just chatting it up with Slim Shady himself right before I came into jail today, folks. Don't believe me? Check the news. Regardless of this guy's reasons, he is an idiot and Eminem proved to all of us that he is seriously a badass. I mean, do you need security after this? Don't you just realize you don't need them? You know, have yourself strapped up. Keep a couple in gats, you know, under your pillow at night. And if this happens again, hell, next time you might have to pull the trigger. Well, folks, no sooner did the beaches open for a couple of days here in Cali than it freaked out our wonderful governor as he saw pictures of Orange County's packed beaches and declared that all beaches and state parks must close once again immediately. At least I was able to enjoy the beach where I live 
for one of those days before they took it away once again. I have to say, to keep charging us the ridiculously high rent in which we pay here, to live by the beach that we're not allowed to go to because of someone else's fear that we're going to spread a virus that I've still never met a single person who even knows anybody who has had it, is ridiculous. This is a waste of our money, and we actually have none left. So either let us enjoy the place that we pay so much to be near, or stop charging us to be here anyway. Now, I disagree with this crazy plan to stop rent. That doesn't make sense. Renters, homeowners, people who rely on that for their own money, they need that. So I'm going to keep paying it somehow, some way, figuring out ways to get money. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I will. But at least allow me to enjoy the neighborhood and area I live in that I pay this rent to be a part of. You know, what does it affect you if I'm at the beach here in Imperial Beach, which is right next to the border of Mexico, nowhere near the state capital? I don't get it. I have to say, I'm outraged, and I think it's bogus. Plus, my job is necessary for the beaches to be open for it to actually occur. I work a weekly farmer's market on the beach here in Imperial Beach itself, and without the beaches being open, it looks like there's pretty much a 100% chance that I will not have a job to make money at. So, this is a major step back for me in my industry, as well as my leisure time, which I wanted to spend sitting on the beautiful, soft, warm sand, watching the waves crash, right here where I live in a high-priced community. I gotta admit, I hate the masks. I hate them. I don't like wearing them. They annoy me. You know, and I can't even breathe with these things on. Now, I've always had a little more trouble breathing than the average guy because I had a massive tumor in my right lung when I was 12 and had to have it removed with chemotherapy, which means I'm working with about one lung Instead of two, well, instead of with a set of normal lungs, I got about a half, half set going on. Not to mention I smoked cigarettes for many years because I'm stupid. And I smoke weed still to this day. You know, I take about a hit a day now. But there was a time where I smoked an eighth of weed to myself a day for years, which obviously doesn't help somebody who has issues with their lungs already. So with that being said, putting on this mask just makes it like impossible for me to breathe. But there's some places that require the mask or you can't go in. But what blows my mind is when I see people walking around my neighborhood, they're walking their dog, they got a mask on, there's no one anywhere near them except their dog and they're full on wearing the mask. Now, it makes me wonder, are you afraid that your dog will get you sick? Are you trying to avoid getting your dog the virus because you have it? I'm wondering what the mask is doing at that point. 
Is it to give other people driving by you in cars a peace of mind that, hey, yes, you're going out to walk your dog, but you're wearing the mask, so it's all right. There's also couples that walk together where one wears the mask and the other doesn't. Does that mean one of you is sick and the other's not? If that's the case, then quarantine yourself the hell away from the other person. And if not, then are you just afraid of your wife's germs while you're out on the street, but when you're inside your home, you don't wear the mask and you sleep next to her in a bed? I'm not understanding the logic behind any of this. The cloth masks, I don't understand either. Because you're not stopping anything with a cloth mask. Your air is going right through and your air is coming right in from the outside. So the cloth mask is just stupid, and it makes us all look like Scorpion and Sub-Zero as we walk around. So I'm, I'm not really understanding this whole mask thing at all, unless you're wearing that surgical one that, like, has the little, you know, aspiration respirator, whatever the little center square thing is that actually cleans the air before you breathe it in. And nobody has those. In fact... Healthcare workers have a shortage of them. They're forced to wear the cloth masks that they even admit do nothing. So why in God's name are there people out there right now sewing these cloth masks, thinking they're total badasses, serving them up to everybody so that we can all look like fools and still be spreading the sickness the exact same amount? Not understanding this at all. Please explain. It is time for the uh, the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast uh, that we have all been waiting for. And that is the real stories. Brought to you by the host himself, Peter Timothy Heinst. And Barbecue, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. Folks, today I'm going to tell you the story about when I worked for an in-store commercial company by the name of Jesco. Yes. Now, I have had many, many jobs in my life. In fact, a lot of them I forgot about. But one in particular that I will never forget is a company called Jesco, which advertised themselves for the job openings as a, a chance to be on TV. That's what it was. It was live commercials... Your chance to make something of yourself, become famous, and be on live TV. Now, I applied for this right away. I was like, heck yeah, I'm in for this. You know, I'm, I'm made for this. I host my own podcast, as you can tell. You know, but back then, I was just wondering what sort of outlet I could find for my personality. Because I love to talk, obviously, and I'm kind of a wild child, you know, and I got a lot of stories to tell. I need to get my stuff out there. So this would be a great opportunity. So I applied. I immediately got called back an email, explanation of where to meet, and all these things. And I was like, man, this is so cool. You know, they're really into me. And so I went to the first meeting where there was like 10 other people waiting at this restaurant that wasn't open yet. And we were all outside waiting. Everyone had their, you know, their resumes ready. Some people were really nicely dressed you know, some people had, these girls had their makeup done, like, super nice, and I was just wearing, like, average Joe Schmo clothing. I figured, I, I didn't even think there was going to be more people there. I thought I'd be the only one. So we're all waiting outside, clipboards and files in hand, 
And, of course, they opened the door to this restaurant-slash-brewery, which was in downtown Portland. It was a nice brewery, like one of the fairly new-looking ones. So they open it up, and a representative of Jesco lets us in, not even a worker of the brewery, and tells us to sit at this large table in the center. And then he relocks the door because the place wasn't actually open. You know, it was like 9 a.m. or something when we all met there, and the place didn't open until 10 or 11. But they allowed this company, you know, to sort of rent it out a little bit for this meeting that we were going to have. So at the meeting... You know, we went around in a circle to talk about who we were, where we from, you know, where we were from, and a bit about our personalities and things like that. And everybody was average, Joe Schmoes, you know, same here, except, of course, I had, obviously, a better personality than any of the others. I'm kidding, of course, we were all the same. And as they asked us questions about what we planned on doing in life, it started to get weird. I was like, what is this? You know, I'm not really even sure why I'm here and what this is. So they kept asking us questions, never explaining what we were doing there. And by the end of the thing, they said they liked every one of us, all of us. Not one person didn't fit the description of who they wanted for their company, whatever the hell it was. And they wanted to see us all in smaller groups in a hotel uh, like a week later. And I was like wondering like still, I don't really know what this is. I have no idea. You know, and back then, I really, I didn't have the internet. You know, I did, but I didn't take the time to Google Jesco or really look it up. I just was concentrated on getting some type of job. So I kind of forgot about this until the day came. And, you know, I worked some other odd jobs in between, but on the day of the smaller meeting at a hotel, the hotel was like 45 minutes, almost an hour from my house. So I had my then girlfriend, now wife, drive me out there, much to her dismay. And she was like, hey, you have to get this job because I'm going to be pissed if you made me drive all this way with that. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this job no matter what, I promise. And I'll let you know when it's over. They said it's going to be like a four or five hour time that I'll be there. And then, you know, I'll, I'll call you back. And so I get out to this place and it's just some random like Red Lion Hotel or some piece of crap, Sheridan or something. And I look around the hotel. I have no idea where to go. I see a couple other people that look like they could be like me, but they're not a part of the original group I was in. And I start asking around till I finally realize in one of the random meeting rooms of this hotel, that's where I'm supposed to go. So I go in there and there's five people like me wondering what the hell we're doing there. And then a couple people with some microphones and, you know, cameras and things set up. And it looks like we are actually going to shoot a commercial. I was I was impressed. I was like, heck, yeah, this is this is for me. I'm going to shoot a live, you know, a commercial right now. I'm going to be on TV. This is awesome. I'm going to be famous. And so I sit down and the person comes in and says, congratulations, you have been handpicked to be a part of Jesco and their in-store commercial live showings of like knives and little devices for the kitchen that are nifty and little things that, you know, like... One of them was a thing that you would shove into a lemon and you could squeeze the lemon and the lemon juice would come out, but all the seeds of the lemon would stay in 
and then you could pull the device off and just throw the lemon away and you would never have to cut a lemon again. So that was one of the devices that we would be describing in order to show that we could do these in-store commercials. Now, when I realized it was an in-store commercial, my heart sank. I know what these people are. I've seen them at department stores and they go on the, you know, they go on the PA system and they say, hey, everybody, if you go to the center of the store right now, we'll give you a free gift. And then you show up at the center of the store and they make you watch this little demo of, you know, some kitchen device or some knives or something, or they cut a penny with a pair of scissors that are the world's best scissors and you must have them. And then after you watch, you get some little plastic piece of crap for watching. And then they try and convince you right then and there to buy the product. We've all seen this before. We all know what this is. And I could not believe that I got sucked into one of these things because they were so hush-hush about what it really was that I got, you know, I had to drive all the way out there. So after after getting out there, I figured I'm going to sit here for the four hours and do this. You know, I might as well. And I do it, you know, they give me a script. They have me read it in front of the camera as if I would ever be on an actual commercial. And they tell me about how some of their Jesco employees who did really well in stores were able to actually record real Jesco commercials, which were only for future people that wanted to work there to watch, like me. Like, I would watch the commercial of a Jesco employee describing how they work for Jesco and it's so great and they get to travel and all this crap. And then I found somebody who actually worked there and asked them about it and they said they stay at really shitty hotels and they all drive around together in a van and they all eat slop every day and it's terrible and they go from town to town. He said the only good thing is with that he was able to find a girl in every city to bang because he was a Casanova of sorts. And I'm thinking, man, none of that applies to me. I don't want to stay in a dirty hotel. I don't know how to mack on women like that. And I, I thought I was going to be in a real commercial. This is embarrassing. I want no part of this. Now, they proceeded to tell me about the commission-based scenario that was set up. And the more you sell, the more money you make, but you'll at least get minimum wage for the hour or two that you're in each store each day. Now, I'm thinking, I'm adding up the hours in my head, and I'm like, this just doesn't make sense. If I don't sell anything, if I'm in a place where a bunch of people are pessimists and they don't want my stupid product or a town that's poor or nobody just has money to spend like that, I'm not going to make anything. Because I'm only going to work one or two hours a day with most of the time setting up the little booth thing in the center of the store and breaking it down. Now, I don't want to do this at all. I just don't want to do it. So after I got through the four hours or whatever, I was sent home with this massive script that I had to memorize. Now, I was like 100% sure I was done with this. I was like, I'm not doing this. I don't care about it. They haven't paid me anything. They say you have to get through this first week of training before you even get paid at all. So the first day where I went to the interview, that was a couple hours and all the way downtown, nothing. The second day where I traveled all the way to like Kaiser, I don't know where it was in Oregon. It was far away from where I lived. 
And I spent four and a half hours in this freaking hotel and then freaking got picked up 45 minutes later and all that crap. After all that, I still didn't get paid anything. And then I got sent home with a script that was like four pages long that they said you had to memorize word for word and not stumble on your words in any way and record yourself. I had to buy a recording device because even back then my phone wasn't capable of doing this. So I had to get a voice recorder, which to this day I think I still have in a box somewhere because I only used it once. A voice recorder that would record my entire commercial that I spoke. That way I could listen to it all day and practice it and do all these things. And it was just ridiculous, all the crap that went along with this stupid-ass company. So I played their game because when I arrived home, my girlfriend told me I would do this because she was pissed already about driving me around and wanted me to get something out of this. She's like, you need to finish this and at least do the training so you can get paid for that. And if you have to quit, then for st there was some part of the contract where if you just make it through training and you don't do a single job and you quit, then you won't get paid at all. Nothing, not a cent. But if you make it through training, you do a couple jobs, then you'll get paid for the training and you'll start making money off of the jobs. And there was different tiers you would reach for how much crap you would sell and how many stores you could do in a day and all this other stupid crap that went along with it. So I memorized this thing. I mean, I practiced all day and night for six days in a row until the weekend came when I went to go in front of these people again and show them that I could do it. And there was only three people left after this. So it started out with a huge group at the brewery then it whittled down to five people. Then it whittled down to three. One was an ex-army girl who had been in the army in Japan for a bunch of years. Another was a guy who was an actor, so he was confident that he could do this. And then the third one was me. The first two people sucked ass. They did not memorize this crap at all, or if they did, they fumbled and stumbled on their words so bad they looked like morons. Now, I stepped up, and obviously, I did a phenomenal job, because I actually just memorized every single individual word. I said these things the way these people wanted us to say them. They gave us recordings of other people reading these scripts and wanted us to speak exactly like those people spoke, and I did. And at the end of this, I had an epiphany. I just realized I wanted nothing to do with this crap. I hated it. And I wasn't going to do it. So when we had a little break, I bailed out. I'm not going to lie. I quit like a little bitch. And I called my girlfriend and told her to come get me with my head down. And she was just not very happy about this because she had wasted a ton of gas and three days of her time for nothing and I think she had bought me the voice recorder because again I was out of a job at the time actually no I remember I scrounged up money for the voice recorder so either way she had blown a ton of gas and wasted her time and I had wasted everybody's time and I just could not do this thing after a couple days passed I began to get email after email from this girl who was working as one of the instructors there who like prepared and trained people and she, I, I'm not going to lie, she was hot. This girl was hot. So they used her to convince guys like me to do this. 
because she would email me in a strange way. She'd be like, hey, I really, really like you. I wanted to work with you so bad. I just thought you were so cute and so perfect for this job, and we just need good-looking guys like you. And I knew she was blowing smoke up my ass the second she gave me a compliment about my looks, because that's a complete lie right there. And this chick would use her looks to try and suck people in, and that pissed me off even more. So I just denied them over and over and over until finally they stopped harassing me. And the only thing I had to show for this whole entire experience was the little plastic thing that you would get for free if you watched their in-store commercial that you shove into an, a lemon or a lime and it lets you get the juice out without having to cut the lemon itself. I still have that device to this day. It actually works really well. But if you ever get sucked into something like that, folks, lesson to be learned here is you will not get paid a cent until you finish the very long seven-day, five-hours-a-day training thing, and you'll have to travel and live like a complete bum to even make any money, and you'll never go anywhere Unless you become an instructor like this chick was. And her name was Rain. I'll never forget. Hey, it's me, Rain. Yeah, no. No, thank you. Goodbye, Jesco. I hope you enjoyed the Peter Gabbett podcast today, folks. I know the real story was extremely long, but I had to tell it because, oh my gosh, it was a terrible experience all around. And I'm glad I will never do that in my life for money. I thank you very much for listening today. I hope you're staying safe, staying at home, and staying healthy and I will talk to you tomorrow. Now, folks, I'm not a huge fan of this next band, but it is an appropriate song for what I just described. I wanted to be on the big screen so bad when I had that company, when I worked for Jesco. I thought it was going to lead me to be on TV, and I just thought if I could be like that, then I would be rich and famous, and I would give anything to live that way. But... It didn't happen, and here I am. So here's a song called If I Could Be Like That by Three Doors Down. Spends nights in California Watching stars on the big screen Then he lies awake and he wonders Why can't that be me? Cause in his life he's filled with all these good intentions He's left a lot of things he'd rather not mention right now just before he says goodnight He looks up with a little smile at me And he says, if I could be like that Well, I would give anything Just to live one day in those shoes If I could be like that What would I do? What would I
just a little piece of this dream Is that too much to ask? With a safe home and a warm bed On a quiet little street All she wants is just that something to hold on to That's all she needs What would I do? What would I do?